All right, we've been going through the book of Matthew, and Matthew is presenting the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah to his Jewish listeners uh, as he's writing this book. And uh, we get to the Sermon on the Mount uh, that Jesus is uh, speaking, and Jesus is definitely flipping a lot of the understanding on its head. And we had talked about that for so long, the Jews and the Jewish leadership, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who were, uh, and the scribes were spending a lot of their time completing the very letter of the law. Okay, and we had talked about this, and I don't want to continue to have to keep going it over, but it's a great example, saying, you know, thou shalt not kill, and they thought they were right with God, and they were just right at the height of of self-righteousness because they never murdered anyone. And Jesus says, wait a second. Uh, uh, Yeah, so you haven't taken a life, but if you hate your brother, if you think you're better than somebody else and look down your nose, he says, that's the spirit of this. You guys are keeping the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law is much different. He talked about the fact that adultery, thou shalt not commit adultery. And they were like, well, I've never touched another person you know, and Jesus says, listen, if you look after someone else to lust after them, you've committed adultery in your heart. And then he went on ahead and said, listen, if you have uncontrolled lust in your life about anything, okay, if it just runs rampant in your mind, then you're violating the spirit of the law. They were thinking they were all set with God because, listen, I've never killed anybody. I've never uh, committed adultery. I've never done these things. And Jesus said, you're missing the point. I want you to change from the inside out. It's not just making adjustments to their outside appearance. But if you're really one of my children, you ought to be acting like it, and you ought to be changing from the inside. Okay? And so Jesus went ahead and spoke about six different issues on the law and going ahead and saying, listen, these are some th- examples of how you're messing that up. Then we looked at chapter 6. Jesus was moving on in chapter 6 to teach if you are going to do things okay be careful on how you do them and that's where we're picking up again this morning so we will have powerpoint up very shortly okay all right remember the theme that jesus was talking about if you're going to do it do it unto god and not unto men and what is the phrase i I don't even know if i have it up on the slides god is more interested in you being who he wants you to be not just doing what he wants you to do, okay? And again, there are a lot of people who are in churches right now at this very hour of the day that put on a nice churchy face, okay? And they dress up in their nice clothes and they act all Christian-y for an hour or two when they're sitting in the pews. But the rest of the week, are they acting like one of God's children or are they just living their own way? And God said it's not just conforming yourself on the outside to what a christian might look like when people are watching he doesn't want us to just do things that look like a christian he wants us to be people that reflect him you see the difference again right you can do certain things but if you are being the person and again i I used the illustration a few moments ago about a, a husband and wife relationship um there are a lot of couples that have gotten to the point where it is a business arrangement and I do what I'm supposed to do because I'm married. But are you really being in love with that person? 
Or has the love just sort of drifted off to the side and you have a structure on how things are supposed to function? Well, that's your job, this is my job, but we just do all these things like a good little business and everything gets covered. And um, unfortunately, Jesus said, that's the way you guys have broken down this religious relationship with me. Is is you are so religious in keeping all the rules, but you've forgotten that you are in a relationship with the God of the universe. And Jesus said, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be who I want you to be. And once you be, you know the neat things, I do pretty awesome things for my wife. She does pretty awesome things for me. Not because I'm checking it off. (laughs) Brownie points, brownie points. Okay, (laughs) oh man, I'm going to get three checks for that brownie point. No, I'm doing those things because I love her. Because I cherish our relationship. And I don't do things because I love her. Okay, not because, oh, I know I'm not supposed to do this. No, I realize my wife and I, to, to protect her, to honor her, to do the things I'm supposed to, I'm not going to do that. Okay, and it may be just something as silly as, uh, you know, leaving dirty laundry in the middle of the bathroom floor. Uh Uh-oh, I just saw some people give one another looks. Y'all, I'm sorry about that. No, I realize if if that's something that irks my wife, that, you know what, because I love her, I'm going to purposefully not do that. But here's the other end of it, right? (laughs) She hates this. I mean, come on. If you have a loving relationship with that person, you're doing things to honor and please them. Okay, if you're just doing it, I <sighs> can't believe I can't leave that there. You know how bad it kills me to have to not leave my... Dad. We fight for our own personal stuff. Well, God, Jesus says, listen, if that's your service for God, that you're just doing it because you're forced to do it because this is what you think gets you in a good protected place, you're not in the doghouse with God because you do it. God, so Jesus is like, that's not how you're supposed to be living your life. You're supposed to be, be being the person I want you to be because you love me. Not just checking off some boxes. So that's where Jesus is approaching. And then he says, so if you are going to do things, if all of a sudden you are going to, out of your love in, in your heart for me, do things, make sure you're doing it for me, not for others. Okay, uh, I enjoy watching couples that uh, are so romantical in public. And and, and I I shouldn't say this. It's almost kind of creepy, this thought. But you know when you see them in private, that's not how they are. But when they're in public, you know, the arms around, oh, sweetie, oh, lovey, oh. But when you get them when nobody else is watching, it is not that way. Uh, My wife is coming up to illustrate this. Oh, no. Okay. She forgot her papers. And, and you know that out in front of everyone, they're putting on a good show. But when it comes down to getting into their real, real relationship, it's not that way. And then you see the, the couples who are just the opposite. And uh, my mother and father-in-law got a cute little... Uh, affirmation of this this last week they're at the hospital of course and she's struggling and one of the nurses was saying to to the family that they're just so cute 
because here she's in the hospital bed and he's sitting in the chair and helping her to make sure she's taking her meds or breathing in the special thing and all that. And the nurse is just going, look at them, they're so cute. You know, that in this stressful situation, it wasn't all the, you know, all the pretension drops off and they're just being their natural selves. Their natural self was caring and loving each other. And that's something special to see. Um, as much as God, that's a physical illustration that we have in our relationships, do we do that with God? Do we just check in when we have to and act like a Christian-y person when we're supposed to? Or are we in a, that's such a cute relationship all the time. And you can even do that when you're having a passionate discussion. How about I put it that way? You know, I've, I've watched couples that are fighting about something and still you can tell that within them they still have a love and a respect. It's just they're having a disagreement that's getting a little bit... Okay, it hasn't come to fisticuffs yet. Which I've seen that too. Ow. Okay. So here we go. We are supposed to be doing these things for God, not for man. Okay, chapter 5 was all dedicated to understanding the letter of the law versus the spirit. One is conforming, and I went through this, external standards. The other is a change of a heart and a mind, and you're living it from the inside out. Okay, God is more interested in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. So... Jesus is teaching in this passage, if you're going to do something for God, if you're going to serve God, make sure you're serving God and not man. And there's a lot of people who like being seen doing things for one another, doing things for God. And God warns us, he says, be careful. Okay? So Jesus uses three examples. We looked at two of them already. We looked at alms, and Jesus said, listen, if you're going to give to the poor, don't do it like the Pharisees who want to be spiritual. They ring a bell so that all the poor people can come out, and they start showering all their gifts on them to make themselves look awful special. Jesus says, don't do that. If you're going to do it, do it in private, because God, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. He said, don't be like them. He also said in prayer, and we talked about this, don't be like the hypocrites, don't be like the Pharisees who like standing up in front of people offering these flowery prayers so people would say, oh, you're such a spiritual person. Let me pat you on the back. God says, don't do that. He says, if you're going to pray honestly between you and me, we're going to have a conversation, don't be afraid to go get in a secret private place and pray. You don't have to make a show of it. Okay, now again, please, that doesn't mean, and we'll talk about this in the next one too, that doesn't mean if you happen to give somebody to a, something to a poor person and help them out if they're in need, then somebody sees you, you're like, stink. Somebody saw me, that ruins it. Or if, like Dan, I asked Dan to pray a few minutes ago, he prayed in public in front of people, oh my word, that prayer doesn't count. Okay, it's a heart attitude. Are you doing it so that other people will think you're super spiritual? Or are you doing it because you want to get a hold of God? All right, so today we're looking at fasting. And this is something probably we as Gentiles in America in 2023 aren't as connected as the Old Testament folks are. Okay, we may understand what it is, but it's not as important to us as it was in the Old Testament. And we'll look at that. So let's keep going. So Jesus reminds us, with all three of these, we see these phrases. They have their reward, is the first phrase says, if you're going to give alms to people to get a pat on the back, when you get your pat on the back, you have your reward. That's what you get. If you're going to pray in front of everybody and everybody thinks, oh, he's so spiritual, 
and he gives you the pat on the back, you have your reward. But he also says with all three of them, the Father who seeth in secret will reward you openly. So God says, if you're doing it for me, and you're not worried about what any other people think, God says, there'll be a reward coming that I'm going to give you. Okay, so if you're doing it for the pat on the back, from the encouragement, for the attaboy from man, that's what you get. But if you're doing it for God, God will reward you. Okay, and that's the important teaching of what Jesus is talking about here. Do what you do because you love God and you want to do it for him. Not, hey, look at me. I'm so awful spiritual. I'm the best thing that ever happened to God. All right, so let's read these verses together. Um, well, we don't work. There we go. Fasting. Let's look at verse. I gave you plenty of time, I hope, to get to Matthew chapter 6. Like 10 minutes. Okay. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 16. I'm not in Matthew chapter 6. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a saddened countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not to men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you are a real God with real love for real people. Father, you don't just make rules and regulations as some distant force of the universe that we're expected to keep, to check off boxes so that we can think we're pleasing you. Father, we do this because you are a loving God and you offer a loving relationship to us every single day. And Father, to display our love for you, we do the things we do because of our love. And Lord, when we're doing it, we shouldn't be doing it to try to earn brownie points and credit with the people who are watching. Lord, if this is truly a love relationship between you and us, we're doing it because you love us. And so, Father, we're just so thankful. Help us to understand this teaching, again, not as a familiar activity as it was to Jewish folks, but, Lord, there's still some things we can learn here. So, Father, I just pray you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. So, he says, if you're going to fast, all right, so he gives some instructions about fasting. Now, what is fasting in the Scripture? In the Old Testament, the word, when you look it up, it means to abstain, uh, in the New Testament, it means to abstain from food meaning you're going to not eat something, all right? There is a deeper meaning behind it, but that's the basis for the word. In the Old Testament, it basically meant to cover up your mouth. Okay, means same kind of idea. When the food is coming around, nope, no, no, not interested. The spiritual uh, basis behind it is to deny your flesh something that it's interested in so that you can pay closer attention to God. All right. I gave this illustration on Wednesday night because we were dealing with Daniel, who was fasting at the time. And um, I am a football fan. Okay? I'm not a crazy football fan like some guys. I don't 
paint my body and put cheese on my head and all those funny things that some guys do and dress up and spell out the name of their favorite team on their stomachs. And, no, but I like watching football. And there's a standard joke that goes around, and uh, that joke is if a wife comes in to speak to her husband while the football game is on, uh, she might as well just not say it and keep it to herself because the husband's just like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. What was that you were saying? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. You know the joke. We get something that distracts us. Now, maybe for you it's not football. Maybe for you it's something else. The idea behind this is I am going to stop paying attention to that, stop doing it, whatever my flesh wants, I'm going to stop that activity so that I can pay more attention to God. Now, one of the reasons he uses fasting throughout history is because he knows something that every single one of us want to do every day. And that is eat. Okay, if I said I'm a football fan, I saw some of you already go, oh, football. You don't care about football, right? Some of you love football. How many of you love uh, of, uh, go out and bird watching? Derek's not here. Or going out and fishing or going out and doing something, you know. There are a lot of things that can be a distraction. It's differing from everybody. How many of you eat today? Not necessarily ate, but will probably eat. Okay, God specifically chose something that he knew would be a desire of our body every single day. Okay, none of us go by and say, eh, food, eh, who needs it? Okay, we all need it. So God chose something that is a vivid desire of our lives every moment, not every, some of us every moment, um, every day. God says, I want you to take that thing that might be distracting you and put it aside so that you can focus on me 100%. Okay? That is what fasting is all about. It is denying this body something that it wants so that I can be in better focus. Okay? When I am watching the football game and my wife has something too important to tell me okay and we've gotten better about this but you know what the best thing is to do she can say uh, the tvs are great nowadays can you pause that for a minute and again some of you are old enough to remember you couldn't pause tv what's pause you had two minutes and two seconds to get to the uh, to the bathroom and get your snack and get in front of the tv before the commercial was over and it was no pausing tv but it's great nowadays you can just hit pause yes dear what can i do for you okay good Back to the football game. Okay? I said this the other day. I am, I grew up in a house where it was always noisy. That's how it was. My grandfather had the TV on 24-7. I mean, there are times it would be 11 o'clock at night, they'd be upstairs. And you'd like have to come in and turn the TV on, uh, off. Okay? Thanksgiving dinner, we're in the other room, the television's on. Okay, just always. So I grew up in a house. My dad kind of did the same thing. Television was on all the time. I'm at home doing geometry homework with, the, you know, the television on the other room, and there's nobody in there. So I got used to a very cluttered kind of house. But because of that, I can generally pay attention to two or three things at one time. doesn't mean I'm paying close attention. It just means I'm paying attention. Okay, I could be doing my homework and still listening to the television and still hearing what my mother's trying to tell me from the kitchen. They were just used to that. Now, what happens here at church? And I told this on Wednesday night. I could be standing here talking to Peter, and uh, there's two other conversations going on, and I'm 
picking up on the two different conversations. So I'm actually hearing three different conversations at once. And now some of you are going, oh, he might have heard what we were saying. No, just my brain functions that way because I'm so used to just processing lots of information at once that how many of you need it absolutely quiet when you're reading or studying? Okay, you've got to have shut everything off and it's like this. Okay, when it's absolutely quiet when I'm studying, I'm like daydream world. You know, because it's too quiet. Okay, I've got to have some noise. It's just how I grew up. Because of that, though, if I'm trying to talk to Peter and I'm trying to pay attention to two other conversations, how close do you think I'm listening to Peter? I'm not giving him my full attention, am I? So what I need to do is go... And lock in on him and put all the other distractions away. And basically, that is one of the best ways to understand what fasting is. You are saying, this body needs something, but I am so determined, Lord, to make sure my relationship with you is, I'm, I'm paying attention, I'm, I'm, I'm in communion with you, nothing is going to distract me from that. That's what we're talking about. So, what does that mean? Well, we'll discuss that in a minute. So, be not like the hypocrites. What did they do? They made themselves look like they were fasting. They'd actually dirty their faces, make their cheeks all, you know, gaunt looking and, and mope around all upset. Or um, I, I like this. Not only does this word um, mean act gloomy, but sometimes it actually means to act angry. So I found the first reference of hangry in the Bible. Okay, any of you know what hangry means? Okay, I'm talking about a new word. This is a word that's only come out recently. It means you're angry because you're hungry. If you've ever heard that, it's a word, hangry. So there'll, there'll be times that uh, you know, my wife says something and I'll go, what? She says, what's wrong with you? I'm hungry. Okay, people say this word, hey, this is what they were doing. They would actually act out of sorts. They would either act all mopey or gloomy or they'd act angry with a false intensity and people say what's wrong with you oh i'm fasting i'm sorry i'm a little out of sorts because i'm fasting aren't i spiritual god says don't do that because all you're doing is trying to impress the people around you he says don't be like the hypocrites that change the look of their faces and they mope around so you'll say oh brother what's wrong oh i'm in a fast for god oh aren't you spiritual god says don't do that you're not doing this to impress them, because that's not what this is about. Okay, keep going. Fasting is a reminder that our flesh is often in the way with communicating with God. Now, I don't know if you have experienced this. I experience this every single day. Not fasting, you can tell. But being distracted. How many of you, you know, I got a couple minutes, I'm going to pray. And you open your prayer, you begin to talk to God, and then you're going... Oh, man, I forgot. I need to go out and finish doing this. Oh, I wonder how, I wonder how, and get distracted and your brain wanders. Okay? I'm not the only one, right? On a normal, everyday basis, we get distracted in our conversation with God. And again, we think, yeah, eh, no big deal. If I did that to one of my family members, you ever have that discussion? Are you listening to me? Uh, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Because you could start a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden you're drifting off. 
and all of a sudden they feel unimportant and they see it, feel that you don't care and they're, you're not listening because all of a sudden you've drifted off somewhere else. And then the worst part of this world right now, uh-huh, yep, yep. You're going you're gonna to jump off a cliff? What did you say? Because we're not giving them attention like they deserve. Well, fasting is saying, listen, I'm going to, even the basis deed, even when this tummy is going, row, 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 I am not going to let my life distract me. I am so in touch with you, God. I, this is what this is all about. And even if I wanted to watch football, I wanted to play a game on my phone, or I want to do, I'm putting all that aside because this is how important it is for me to communicate with you right now. It is not about us impressing God. It is us reminding ourselves how important us paying attention to this conversation is. And that's what, in our daily life, we would do that. Why wouldn't we make that effort to God? To say, Lord, probably the most important conversation I can have today is with you, I'm going to try my best to remove every distraction from that. Okay, that was the basis for fasting. But notice, it is a discipline. That's what this is all about. You are training your body to pay attention. Now, some of us had to learn the hard way when we got married on how to treat our, uh, respectfully our spouse, didn't we? Sometimes years later, and that's why you can be married 63 years and still give little love notes and how sweet that is. Because after all that time, you realize what's really important. It's a discipline. You train yourself. Okay? Don't be like a, you know, a three-year-old where a butterfly. You train yourself. It's a discipline to get with God. Because he's important. Okay? It's also not a way to diet. Not a way to earn brownie points with God, to earn credits. There are so many times where fasting I have seen introduced in in religious activities or by spiritual people that, you know, oh, I got to pray for something. Well, I'm going to fast. Well, this is a doozy of a prayer. I better fast for five days. Oh, my goodness, this is really important. I better fast for 20 days. Okay. You're not earning extra credit with God by your fast. Because you can fast one day and have a connection with God. You don't, oh, two days. God's really listening to me now. That's not what this is about. We're not earning credit with God. You are reminding yourself how important this conversation is. And if it's very important to you, then it becomes important. But you are not you know, oh my goodness, this, we better fast for a long time for this request. God's not looking going, oh, this is their third day. I better take this serious. God already knows, and we'll talk about that in a second, all right? So, it's not, it is controlling our flesh so we can focus on meeting with God. Now, hang on to this thought, because when's the last time any of you fasted? Don't answer me, but it's probably been a while, maybe never. And I don't mean, oops, I skipped breakfast. And it's not meaning, oops, I need to go take my blood sugar at the doctor so I can't eat until I get my blood taken. Okay? That we've actually denied ourselves food because we're trying to focus on our prayer life with God. Okay, keep going. Psalm says this about fasting. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. 
That's what we're talking about. Going to God and saying, you know what, Lord? Nothing about this life means anything without me being in contact with you. And to the point where I'll even not eat right now because it's that important. Okay, I will put aside everything. Remember Jesus when he was uh, talking to the woman at the well and the disciples had all scurried off to get lunch and Jesus came back and they said, you know, Lord, you were talking to that woman, you know, about salvation. And they said, well, we brought the food. And Jesus said, I have food that you know not of. And they went, what, did somebody bring him lunch we didn't know about? And God's, Jesus said, doing the will of my father was more important than him eating. That's what we're talking about, okay? Um, Psalm 69.10 says, when I wept, I chastened my soul with fasting. You know, what's another word for chastening? Discipline. I disciplined my soul. I brought it in check. I wanted to make sure I was what I needed to be when I went to God in prayer. Not, ooh, I wept because I wanted to make sure God knew how important this was to me. No, I'm making sure I am taking care of my own heart so that I can approach God and be focused. All right, keep going. So, fasting is, a me- uh, is not a method of getting better results in prayer. Okay, fasting is a reminder that we need to put aside distractions so we can focus on what we're talking about. My, uh, my son, Micah, I love him. He's not this way, but we used to make a joke that you could put him in a round room with nothing else, not a single thing, painted white, nothing on the walls, nothing, just an empty room with a pair of socks on the other side of the room. And you could say, Micah, go put those socks on. And somewhere between there and the socks, he would get distracted. And you'd come back a few minutes later, and he wouldn't have got anywhere near the socks. There was one thing he had to focus on. One thing that mom and dad asked him to do. See socks. Socks on feet. And somewhere in the midst... Granted, this is when he's like five, six years old. Not now. I hope not. He's a sheriff. <laughs> but that's what we're talking about. It's sometimes it's so easy to be distracted, and we, this fasting is about me being focused. Okay? It is not about, well, if I fast more, God is sure to answer me. Oh, didn't, get, didn't answer my prayer. I must not have fasted enough. Let me fast some more. Okay? Remember, guys, and we talked about this this morning, God always answers prayer. There is not a prayer ever that God doesn't answer. He always answers a prayer. The issue is, what's the answer? The problem is, are we ready to accept what the answer is? God, God, you say to God, God, I, please, this is what I'm praying for, and God says, no. You never answer my prayer. Yeah, no, that is the answer to your prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's the one I hate the most. Wait. I would rather be like, God, give me a yes or no. What is, I don't want to sit here just twiddling my thumbs waiting for an answer. Uh, I, I can't stand that. I want, just tell me no then. But sometimes God says wait, but he always answers a prayer. Now with that in mind and what we read in the, well, let's go to the next slide. 
Remember what God said. Just a few verses before what we're reading. The Father knoweth the things ye need of before you ask Him. So, if God always answers prayer, and He always knows what our prayer is before we ask Him, then why do we think we're going to change his, the results by fasting more and more? Well, if I fast for five days, not four days, God will really take this seriously. No, he always, he's all, already going to answer your prayer, and he has already got a plan. He already knows what you need before you ask it. The issue is you are not changing God. We're changing ourselves. We're not going to convince him to do something that he didn't already plan on doing. The issue is, am I approaching him in the best manner that I can? Or am I going, Lord, I could really use... Because I'm distracted. Keep going. Did I keep going? All right, this does not mean that you should never let anybody know. Now, we were just reading, right? Don't put an ash in faces. Don't, uh, you know, you should be praying to God, not to man. But if you've ever been in a fast, and I have before, sometimes you fast with someone. And honestly, sometimes that's a good idea because accountability partners can help. Because you can have someone that you trust to say, remember why we are doing this. Calling one another on the phone and praying and reminding ourselves this is the reason for this. Sometimes it'll be a church-wide. Sometimes your whole family will do it. It doesn't mean you can't tell anybody. It, does, it just means don't go, I'm such a servant of God because I'm fasting today. We're doing it for the Lord, not for people to see. Okay? That is not the spirit. That's the letter of the law. Keep going. Isaiah. Now, if you want an interesting instruction in fasting, Isaiah 58 is probably the most extensive group of verses that deal with this. And here are the things. Number one, it says there's the wrong kind of fast. Go with Isaiah. Go to Isaiah with me if you would. Isaiah chapter 58. So God says there are some fasting. Be careful that you don't do the wrong kind of fasting. So it's just a couple of verses. Let's read them together. So it tells us God says be careful because you can do it wrong and i don't mean what you eat or don't eat it's the motives behind why you're doing it look if you would to verse three wherefore have ye fasted say they and thou seest not wherefore have we afflicted our souls that thou takest no knowledge behold in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with a fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice heard on high. He said, listen, that's not the kind of fast you need to have. So the fast you do need to have, verse 5. Or, or we're supposed to go, uh, verse 5 was the wrong fast. Look at verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of the wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke, is not to deal thy bread to the hungry, 
that thou shalt bring the poor, that, that they are cast out of thy house. When thou seest the naked, thy cover him, and thou hidest not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall the light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. God says, listen, if you're fasting for the wrong reason, I'm not going to see it. It's not going to mean anything to you. But if you are fasting, so here's the thought. To be heard and to get what you want is not spiritual fasting. The right kind of spiritual fasting is that we make ourselves submission, submissive to God and accomplish those things that he wants us to do. Fasting is never to change God. It's to change us. So with all that in mind, let's keep going. Biblical fasting is always tied to a great burden. Okay, You see over and over and over in the scripture, when something very important came up, God's people fasted. Okay, So much so, though, that it's only recommended once in the New Testament. And this is something, as I was doing homework on this, I discovered that as much as we talk about the church epistles, and we talked about that with prayer, and we talked about that with alms, it's actually only mentioned once to the church. Now, Paul says at one point, I fasted a lot. He says I was having struggles in fastings and disputings and all this kind of stuff. But there's only one time that the Apostle Paul and all of the church epistles and, the, and, and God's uh, you know, letters to Timothy, Titus, and, uh, that he recommends fasting to the church found that interesting he doesn't expect us to have that same sort of relationship with him but the teaching is the same okay after the gospels in the book of acts you don't find mention of fasting except for one verse and i find it interesting but we'll get there in a second now look at this the bridegroom this is an interesting why is it that you don't find it mentioned to the church very much. Check this out. Mark, Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Now Jesus is asking, they're asking, why aren't your disciples fasting? We have all these fasts as the Jews, and your disciples aren't fasting. And Jesus said, listen, uh, I'm with them. The bridegroom is here. This is time to celebrate. This is an amazing time of life. They don't need to be fasting right now. Okay? Because the relationship that they're desiring to have closeness in is right here. I'm with them. They don't have to put aside all this so that they can focus on their precious relationship with their Savior. I'm right here. Well, I find it interesting. So how, how do we look at this then? Lord, there's tons of fasting in the Old Testament. And right in the beginning of the New Testament, when Jesus is here, there's, fa there's fasting. And a little bit of fasting in, in Acts. But once you get to most of the church epistles, there's not really that much fasting. And Jesus says, they can't fast when I'm with them. So only one thing came to mind. And again, I'm not teaching this hard because I know what God's instruction is. But God says, next verse... What does the last phrase in this say? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
In Mark, he says, they don't fast because I'm with them. I don't know about you, but God says a Christian always has the Lord Jesus Christ with them. Just interesting. I'm not telling you fasting isn't a good thing, but I'm telling you the fasts that Israel did were not necessary anymore once Jesus came. So, here's next verse. The one verse that we're instructed, and I find it interesting because how often that Jesus uses the picture of a bridegroom, we talked about how precious a relationship this is with God. It's our closest relationship in the world. Second is our husband and wife relationship, but the closest relationship you can possibly have is between you and God. The one time in the church epistles that it's mentioned that you should fast is right here, and this is instructions to husbands and wives. And he said, defraud not one another, except to be for cons- uh, with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again that Satan not tempt you for incont- uh, your incontinency. So basically he's saying, listen, if you're going to have a time where you and your wife are not going to meet each other's needs, if you want any deeper definition of that, I'll give it to you later. Okay? He says, if you're going to re- resist that for a little while, you're going to deny that part of your flesh to focus with God. Make sure you do it accompanied with fasting and prayer. If you're going to Put that part of your life aside so that you can focus on God for a little while. Only do it for a short time. Because, guys, what does incontinency mean? It means you lose control of yourself, right? I mean, good grief. Turn on the TV to one of the game show networks, and they have commercial every other time about Depends diapers or something. And they use that word incontinency. It means you lose control. God says, listen, if you're going to separate from your husband and wife in this area... Only do it for a short time because you don't want to lose control. He says, but you better accompany it with fasting and prayer. Because if you're going to put that special relationship aside, you better focus 100% on that relationship with God. You with me so far on this? So what we can understand is fasting was really, really important to the Hebrews. God gave them tons and tons of fastings to do. In the early church, they fasted about some things, but once it became a Gentile, predominantly church that we see today, you don't see it commanded in the New Testament. Because removing food from your life is not the only picture. That's just the letter of the law. So here's where we need to boil it down to today with you and me. What distracts you? You, personally. Not us as a whole. Me, you, individually. Okay? Um, I have shared this many times. When the kids were home, uh, we would get into this uh, online game that we got playing. And there are some times where Micah would say, Dad, Dad, you got to come join us. You can get some good gear. I'm like, okay. Let's do it. He says, yeah. He says, we'll start around 10 o'clock and it takes about four and a half hours to do it. I'm like, you're out of your mind. I don't have that kind of time. But you know what? It would be very easy. And I know quite a few people. One in particular was a very good friend of mine who was no longer walking with the Lord that would get on a video game and be on it for eight, ten hours a day. 
not pay attention to his children, not pay attention to... You know what he needed a fast from? He needed a fast from his video games. So yes, to the Hebrews, God put something very important in front of their mind to remind them over and over to focus on God. What is it in your life that keeps you from focusing on God? What is it that you might need to put aside? What is it that's something really, really important to you that you will say, this is so important to me, God, that I will give up that one thing that I really, really like so that I can spend time communing with you. And this is where it's important because it's different for each one of us, isn't it? Some of us might have the same. But what is it that you can say, I really love doing that. That's one of the things every day I look forward to. But you know what? Today, my prayer to God is so important that I'm going to put that one thing aside that is my absolute favorite thing to do. And did you read that verse? Now, if we didn't get it, let me be bold. Be mad at me if you want to. But in that verse we talked about, about defraud one another, God is talking about sex. And he says, if you are going to stop doing that with your spouse for a little while so you can focus on me, be careful. Do it with fasting and prayer because this is a big deal. You see what God is saying? It's so important that there are people who are going ahead and saying, I am not going to have physical relation with my spouse because I want to spend time in prayer with God. Talk about something that's important and enjoyable. You getting the point? God is saying, what is something that you really, really long for in your life? Is God important enough in your life that you will say, I'm not going to do that right now, God, because I want to be in communion with you. I'm not going to do that for the next week because I want to be in communion with you. You with me? It's not just about, oh, yeah, I can go a couple days without food, no big deal. That's not the issue. The issue is what is important to you that you are willing to say, God, you are more important. And I'll put that aside right now so that I can make sure I am where I need to be. I'm going to humble my spirit. I am going to chasten my spirit. I'm going to make sure that I am absolutely focused. And I'm going to put aside things that bring me happiness and pleasure because I want to make sure that I'm 100% on board. Hun, I'll pause the football game for you. Kim's up back there going, but I like football too and I'm watching it. You know, I just use the illustration because it's something that men and women have an issue with. So the question I have today that I'll end with and then we'll remind ourselves that one more thought that Jesus was saying is in your daily walk with God, is there something that you can say, Lord, I'm going to give that up for today or this week? Or next week or whatever here's one for you i know some of you this is a trigger one today i'm not going to have any coffee oh there you go they're all like oh no come on and when you crave that cup of coffee and say you know what nope i've put that aside and every time i'm thinking i want that cup of coffee i'm reminded no i'm doing this because i want to be in communion with my god today That's what this is about. This is about putting aside something that is important, that you enjoy, that you love, so that you can focus on God. Okay? So, 
The theme to these last three lessons that Jesus is teaching us is do it unto God, not unto men. That if you are doing something, you should be doing it because it's important to you because you love him. Not because, ooh, I could go tell pastor I fasted. Whoop-de-doo. Do it between you and God. He deserves it, doesn't he? He deserves it, doesn't he? He deserves it, doesn't he? All right. Thank you. Okay. Keep going. I think I covered the rest of this already. Okay, how should you fast? It shouldn't be taken lightly for the purpose of limiting the flesh to focus on God. It's to minister to the Lord. Didn't look that one up. up and uh, I think it's up there in a minute. It's personal. What works for you? If I tell, you tell me, Pastor, I want you to fast from coffee all this week. I'm like, I only drink two cups a week. It's usually on Wednesday night, and if I'm at somebody's house doing something, okay, whoopee, fasting from coffee. No, it's personal. What is it for you? Keep going. It's to minister to the Lord, not to men. Remember, don't appear all... What's the matter with you? I didn't have my coffee today because I did it for the Lord. Don't put on a face. Be thankful, not gloomy. Carry on as you regularly would. And then, uh, again, I think that's a repeat. Here's the verse in Acts. When it talks about them fasting, it says, And as they ministered unto the Lord, they fasted. I'm not doing this for people watching. You're going to fast. Do it because you're doing it unto the Lord. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, what it teaches us. Lord, this is so amazing again. Whether we looked at giving to the poor and those who had need, Lord, uh, we're not doing it because we want to impress people. Lord, we weren't doing it because we want to impress you. Lord, we're doing it because you loved us so much to give everything for us. We ought to have the Spirit to give everything for others. Whether it's prayer, Lord, we're not standing up in the street corners and trying to look important by sounds and all spiritual, make people think we're some religious leader. Father, prayer is to get ourselves in line with you. Thy will be done. And Father, fasting, even though the church didn't do much of it, it was a lot of the Old Testament stuff when it came to food, Lord, what is it that might be in our lives that is important to us that we can remind God that he's more important? That I'm going to put that thing aside so that I can focus 100% on you. And God, I love you so much. I want to be so intent and so in communion with you that I'm going to take some distraction that's in my life on a daily basis and give it up today so that I can remind myself how important you are. Father, it's not about earning brownie points. It's not about getting extra credit. Lord, it's about reminding ourselves that there's distractions in our lives, and you're more important than all these other things that go on. So, Father, thank you. Help us to be able to be closer and closer with you every single day. You're not just a, a force in this universe that's unreachable. Father, you are our heavenly Father, our Dad who wants to be in a precious daily relationship. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.